Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, August 23rd. This is episode number 212. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my brother, Jeff. Hey, Jeff, how are things going? Things going good, Rod. Getting closer to real football. Yeah, you can tell because it's like um, almost 100 degrees out. <laughs> right. <laughs> we actually got August back. But, um, yeah, we only got uh, a couple weeks till, uh, till the uh, first regular season game. Hard to believe, huh? Yeah. Summer yeah. disappeared. It did. Seems to happen a lot. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, we, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Um, big week for a lot of guys. It is a big week. So, so let's uh, let's bring in our guests. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, Casey Kenneman. You can follow him at Casey underscore Kenneman. And he is a writer for Dog Pound Daily and Last Word on NFL. Hey, Casey, how are things going? Going good, man. Going good. Football's almost here. And uh, it's that time of year. Always looking forward to seeing some actual football played on the field. Yeah, some real meaningful games and all that jazz, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, so um, we're going to talk a bunch of Browns and stuff, but uh, before we do that, we like to talk about what we're drinking, and um, Casey, I understand you're sitting this one out, and you've got a little story with that. Yeah, Rod, I, I would love nothing more than to crack a cold one right now, but I made a decision like July 22nd that I was going to give my liver the month of August off to prepare for the war to come. Um, I know once football's actually here that uh, it's not going to be kind to my liver, so I'm just getting a little bit of calm before the storm. I can't argue with that. It's not a bad <laughs> idea. And Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to work my way through some of the stuff in my refrigerator, so um, I feel like I'm not pitching in if I'm not drinking a beer every every now and then at least, so... <laughs> So tonight, guys, I'm drinking a Crooked Handle Roadside. It is a peanut butter porter. Uh, mm. Crooked Crooked Handle's a brewery that's down this direction. Um, we we go to one in Springboro, just south of where I live, occasionally. So uh, um, it's a good beer. It's a good beer, and they have some other nice beers there. Nice little spot to stop in. So uh, definitely uh, give that one a thumbs up if if anybody's heard of Crooked Handle. That listens to the podcast so so we'll leave it at that unless um jeff unless you have something you want to talk about tonight anything interesting in your water <laughs> nope just <laughs> just the plain stuff tonight <laughs> just plain straight up just the way you like it yeah <laughs> all right guys let's um let's jump into some brown stuff here so uh so the browns uh Browns played the Eagles, uh, you know, in a much anticipated game after all those uh, practices, you know, after, you know, getting after it in practice through the week, um, played each other. And uh, I'm going to be 100 percent honest with you guys. I saw most of this game. <laughs> I fell asleep before it was over. Um, I think it was like 1815 when I fell asleep and I woke up, the game was over and I went and I went up to bed. Um, not realizing that it ended in a tie. So, so yeah. I missed the last field goal, but, um, just kind of wanted to get some quick thoughts from you guys as to, you weren't, you, know, you weren't the only one that missed the last field goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understand that. So <laughs> well done. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 
I almost feel like we can't talk about the kicking because that's, you know, that's well, let's not much start with it. At least we'll end up in a rabbit hole. Right. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, um, go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So what you guys see in the game, you know, who, who stood out, um, you know, who won spots or, you know, um, I, I guess, uh, I guess Jeff, we'll, we'll let you go first on this one. What'd you really like about the game or what'd you not like? I think our offense looks pretty solid. Our defense looks pretty solid. Um, special teams, there's still some opportunity for improvement. Um, but I think, you know, all, all in all, based on, you know, it being the preseason game, um, you know, they, they were able to execute things fairly well um, with the guys they had on the field. Um, I think DTR had a little bit of a comeback to reality, which we kind of expected, you know, playing playing against some some better talent guys, but, but he wasn't, mm. he wasn't out of his depth. I didn't think, I mean, you know, he, he looked comfortable and, and was able to, to be, you know, reasonably successful. So I thought that was a real positive. Um, a couple other guys. I mean, obviously you, you can't talk about that game without talking about Austin Watkins again. Um, you know, he's taking advantage of every opportunity. Um so, and, and, uh, my guy, uh, Diabate, if I had told Casey, we talked, you know, 364 days ago. Um, and that was, you know, we had, we had one guy as a UDFA make that roster last year. I told you then we'd have three guys make the roster as UDFAs. You probably thought I was crazy, right? Oh, for sure. Especially given the track record of Barry to hold on to his own draft picks. So to think that he's going to have to let some UDFAs on this roster as opposed to the guys he picked in April, you know, it'd be pretty hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, when you really look at it, though, there's still guys that he signed. So so the credit still goes to him, right? So um, sure. yeah. and that's kind of – if I were Andrew Berry, that's how I would look at it. You know, well, yeah, he had to go find those guys. Yeah, he he right. found those guys. Yeah, he yeah. found the right guys. So, yeah. so, so, Casey, let's get let's get your thoughts on the game. For me, it starts with Mamou Diabate. He, for like, even though he is a UDFA, I mean, they obviously saw something in him because they paid him like he's a fifth round rookie. Mm-hmm. He, he he was a priority UDFA, <clears throat> and the skill set said that he's showing a linebacker is vastly different than what he showed in college. I mean, he was labeled a linebacker in college, but he was more of that rush backer. And to see him play off ball as comfortably as he is, knowing that this is really the first time he's been tasked with those duties, it's super encouraging. He's such a natural at the position, not even just in his ability to burst and see the ball and get the ball, which is evident in the safety or how he punched the ball out in the forced fumble, but even in coverage, he's so fluid. It's very encouraged by him, and I find it impossible to keep him off the roster. I just I think his ceiling is so high, and uh, he's but he's going to have to be a demon on special teams to earn his spots. You know that's just the that's the life of a a rookie linebacker. But I was very encouraged by his play. He's done nothing but progress every time that we've seen him, and you know he's just making jumps each week. Uh, and Jeff talked about it, man. <laughs> we got to talk about Watkins. You know that yeah. this kid, like, how did he slip through the cracks? Because I actually went back and watched his college tape to see like, when did, did he, was he just a late developer? Like how did he get this far mm-hmm. with not, you know, cause he spent time on the 49ers practice squad. Then he had to go to Canada. Then he had to play in the USFL and now he's here. And 
that, that young man's doing nothing but make plays at every every time you give him an opportunity, you know, and and it's not luck. I mean, he's showing you the skill set, his ability to catch the ball outside of his frame. Like that's an elite characteristic. You know, you don't see that a lot. You see a lot of guys gather the ball. He plucks mm-hmm. it, you know, and he's not a burner, but he knows that he has little nuances in his routes that are getting him just enough space. And he's obviously earned the trust of these quarterbacks because I think they target him like 14 times in that game. Yeah. You know? Wow. Um, and I just know with the, and, and we're talking at the end of the day, we're talking about the last receiver on the roster. So if he makes the team, what difference is he really going to make? Probably not much. I just know that he's put a, enough good stuff on tape that if they don't put him on that roster for in favor of someone say like Anthony Schwartz, that's going to be a hard pill to swallow for the fans. Um, very hard. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I was going to say, I mean, the game was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, um, Tillman had a, gr- had a great catch. He only had two catches in the game, but, you know, the the, uh, the long reception was outstanding. Um, and I'm going to mention Anthony Schwartz because he had four catches in the game. That's got to be a record for him. <laughs> yeah, and he not, had a good game. <laughs> he did. I'm not, that's a pretty I mean, good I'm season. I'm literally not trying to make fun of him. <laughs> no. I mean, he actually caught the ball. I mean, if – if if it weren't for the other receivers and this and this were the first preseason game, I think we would be saying, "Hey, Anthony Schwartz looked pretty good in that game." Yep, we would. I was I had to write an article about the offensive players that stood out, so I was taking notes during the game and I noted it. You know, he had a nice actual hand catch, like you know, he plucked mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, but it's just yep. too little, too late. Yeah, that does. That's all. That's literally what I wrote in my notes. Like it's it's, it's good to see him have a, a decent game, but. I mean, just too little, too late. And for someone, I, I get it. You know, I get why they drafted him, and I don't fault them for that. But at some point, you have to cut your losses. And I honestly think that, like, he's not – he's put so much bad stuff on tape. I mean, I'm sure someone might snatch him off waivers, but there's also a chance you could cut him and still put him back on your practice squad, which in my mm-hmm. estimation, that's where he should have been the whole time. He's a developmental guy. And to have to carry him when you're 53 when he really doesn't benefit your team, it's just a detriment to your roster. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But you know, though, if 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 somebody like Austin Watkins doesn't develop on this, you know, in, in the preseason like we've seen, I almost feel like uh, you have to feel like Anthony Schwartz would be that they would be looking at him to be that number six guy. You know, I, I don't know if they keep him over Jakeem Grant or not, but, um, you know, if they were going to keep him both, I think I think he would still have a spot just because of the, you know, the speed element and Marquise uh, Goodwin going down. Um, it, it's just uh, Austin Watkins has done what he needed to do That's know, kind to, of make the, it, to make it a moot point. The one concern with the way this receiver room is shaping up now, right, is that outside of Elijah Moore, we really don't have a speed guy. You know, the rest of that room now are more, you know, route running, possession, you know, kind of guys. Um, And Austin Watkins kind of is in that same category, only not as big um, Mm -hmm. as as like Tillman um, and DPJ. So, you know, you have to start thinking about how many different skill sets you want in that room. And, and I think you're right, Rod, that there still is a place on this team for a speed guy. And right now, based on the injuries and the way the roster is shaping up, what Austin Watkins has done is, is he's bumped 
bump those speed guys off the team. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Casey, let's, let's get your thoughts on that because obviously it'd be great to have two or three burners on the team, but how important do you think that really is? Well, they, they just lack speed last year, but not just in the long speed. I think that's what everybody focuses on. But when you look around the NFL, it's the ability to spread teams out and get those cheap, easy yards. Uh-huh. And that's where Elijah Moore comes into play because he can get you those that exact thing, that those cheap, easy yards, those five-yard, six-yard handoffs down the field, you know. But that's where the Marquise Goodwin injury really, like, looms large here is Obviously, we don't know anything because it's a HIPAA thing. They're not going to tell us, you know. They they can't really tell us. He has to tell us just because uh-huh. it's medical and it's it's not a, you know a football injury. But they we don't know what kind of what kind of feel they have for it. Like do they they think he's going to be back? They think he's going to be back in four weeks and six weeks because during the the, the uh, spring portion of training camp he was tearing it up, man. And yeah. him and Watson had an immediate connection, especially with the deep ball. Because that's the one thing we talk about with receivers. Well, you know, they always bring up speed. They bring up speed. It's the ability to track the ball. If you're a, if you are a deep threat, your ability to track the ball is paramount. If you look at Watson's time in Houston, that's exactly what Will Fuller was for him. Yeah, he was a guy who could just track the ball, and Watson could float it up out in front and let him go get it. And that's what Watson was doing with Goodwin during camp. And I was super enthusiastic about what I was seeing, just because I could translate it to what I'd seen in Houston in the past. So with him being out, that that is a huge bummer because it does take that element out. Um, if, I mean, obviously Elijah Moore can do it. DPJ has got decent speed. He's not a burner. He's a, he's got long speed, not quick speed. Um, but you know, if, he, if you let him get 40, 50 yards downfield, he can separate at that point. He just can't separate early. And you know, Amari's a, a technician, but Jeff's right. They now without Goodwin, they kind of have three or four receivers that are in that same mold of they can get open their route runners, but they are not burners. And if they don't think Goodwin's going to be back, I, you can't put, you can't choose Schwartz because all that speed does, you no good mm-hmm. defenses don't have to respect it. Yeah. Right. Um, but they may feel differently. They may feel, but I just know that I don't feel that Anthony Schwartz's four two six speed is any closer today to, to benefiting this offense than it was the day he was drafted. You know, partly because he cannot track the ball. He's not strong enough. He just la- he lacks a lot of the receiver characteristics, like, you know, like catching and holding on to the football. Um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it, it puts him in a weird spot, unless they have a better feel for what Marquise Goodwin's going to do. If they feel like he's going to be back in three or four weeks, and it's not really much of a concern to me. But if they don't have sure. him coming back all year, that is going to leave an empty spot in this receiver room. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I I still feel like I'm pretty comfortable having, you know, Murray Cooper and DPJ and and uh, Tillman, Bell, Watkins, just because those guys can catch the football, you know, and those are guys that find a way to get open too. So that's kind of kind of part of what I was getting at is how important is speed if you have guys that that run good routes and are savvy and know how to get open. You know, obviously there's times when, you know, when you're behind in the game and you got 20 seconds left and you want to, you know, throw the ball all the way down the field. But um, aside from that, if you have talented receivers who can get open other ways, how, how important is it to have that much speed on your team? Well, not even getting open. They can win contested catches. 
You talk about Tillman and DPJ, they they can mm. win 50-50 yeah. balls. Yeah. That's an element right there. And when we talk about Marquise Goodwin, it's not all his loss because we're talking about a guy who's probably going to take, what, 12 to 15 snaps a game? Uh-huh. Wouldn't like we're talking about a guy who's constantly going to be on the field. you know. Oh. But it does give you an, an element that teams do have to respect when he is on the field. You know, but they, they with the receivers, they were they're still in a, a a way better place than they were last year. You know, with the, for sure. just the addition, I yeah. just think we, Barry probably needs to get a little bit of credit for what he was able to do because he saw that the receiver room lacked an explosive element and they needed some more size. And he literally took the forty second pick in the draft and turned that into Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman. Yeah, 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 incredible, definitely. So, um. Yeah, you know, the in the game, obviously the, the score doesn't matter. The, the Browns really kind of dominated both uh, both lines. You know, the, the offensive line looked, looked really good. Um, defense had six sacks in the game. And, and I know they're, you know, guys are going in and out. It's different, you know, uh, different strings against different strings. But um I think, you know, especially against the Eagles, I think the Browns, uh, you know, in the trenches, the Browns look pretty good in this game. They certainly held their own. Yeah, yeah. Which wasn't the case last year at this time. No, no, not at all. So, yep. um, so yeah, so let's uh, let's move on to, uh, to the game that's coming up on uh, Saturday. Saturday at 1 o'clock, um, Browns at Kansas City against the Chiefs. Um, apparently the Browns are going to, uh, or Kevin Stefanski said he's going to give, uh, starters 20 to 25 reps. That, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is going to play in this game, but, uh, starters who do start will get that many reps. Apparently, um, it's kind of what it sounds like. And I don't think, uh, I don't think Andy Reid's really said what's going to happen on KC's end. Not that that's our concern. Um, he can do what he wants in this game, but uh, right. I, I guess let, let's get uh, let's get thoughts on this game. And um, other than determining those last few roster spots and and getting you know and getting out of there as healthy as possible, uh, right, Jeff? What uh, what else are you hoping to see in the game? Yeah, there's there's not a lot else to watch at this point, Rod. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean. <laughs> Why take Nick the, the bubble wrap off of Nick Chubb at this point? Um, mm-hmm. You know why why risk anything really? Um, I think you know what we've seen in the first three games is that they really aren't showing anything. Uh, you know they they're able to sustain drives, but they're really not running their their scoring packages at this point uh, in the games. Um, yeah. So you know it's it, for me it's just exercise uh, <laughs> and. and <laughs> I, I I just uh, I'm not going to put a whole lot of emphasis on anything I see in this game really. Just like you said, I hope, hope everybody comes out and healthy. Yeah, and it, it's a chance for guys, I guess, who who aren't going to make the team to to get some film out there, maybe get a shot somewhere else. So. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, um, Casey, would you like to add anything to that? I mean, you guys touched on it. It's the health. After seeing the, the how many Eagles were getting stretchered off, like. Yeah, oh, yeah, like, just sure. just hold your breath, cross some fingers, and try to get through this. Yeah. Uh, but if they're going to play the starters, you know, 20, 25 snaps, that's about a quarter and a half typically. 
Uh, you want to see the offense be efficient. You want to see them, you know, getting in out of the huddle quickly. And everybody focuses on whether they score touchdowns or not. I just want to see that Watson's looking up to speed. I want him to see that he's, you know, diagnosing pre-snap to post-snap recognition and his eyes are getting to the right place and that he's accurate. The touchdowns really don't matter to me. I just want to see him in a good rhythm. Um, That's all. I just just want to see efficient football uh, defense flying around, rallying to the football, which I don't think you'll have any issue with that under Jim Schwartz. I think that's, that's going to be the trademark anyway. We're not going to see Miles Garrett. We're not going to see Nick Chubb. They'll probably leave it up to Joel Batonio if he wants to play or not. You know, um, for everyone else, like this is just a, I do think it's a useful exercise that the fact they get to go to Kansas City, which is a very raucous place, even for a preseason game at one o'clock, their fans will be pretty amped up. They'll they'll be getting tuned up in the parking lot, you know? So I think that's a a decent dress rehearsal, Mm -hmm. you know, to get that feeling for going on the road and stuff like that. And, just going through the warm-ups and getting getting primed because, you know, September 10th, man, this is for real. It's, we're almost there. And then they don't have a soft opening. You know, they're opening up against Cincinnati. Even if it's at their place, that's the two-time defending AFC North champions. And if you want to set a precedent, you got to take it to them. So just just get warmed up, get lubed up out there, and, you know, just get ready for, get ready for what's to come because after September 10th, they actually start to count. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't add much much to, to that guy. So uh, so yeah, hopefully hopefully we see a, a decent game and um, you know we'll, we'll be watching a few guys we're going to talk about in a little bit to see who we who we think wins the last roster spots if you know if, if it already hasn't you know if it hasn't already been decided before the game but uh, but we'll see. It's always fun to watch our Browns play regardless. So yep. so. Um, this has kind of been, uh, I guess I'll just label it the week of the contract restructure. Um, <laughs> been a lot of, a lot of talk about this. So, uh, uh, Petonio and, uh, Miles Garrett and David and Joku, all, um, Brown's restructured all three of their contracts, um, freeing up about what, 20, 22, $23 million. So the Browns have 37 million in cap. Uh, been a lot of, a lot of discussion about this on Twitter. You know, are the Browns doing this so they can make another move? Or are they doing this so they, you know, just to help uh, roll into the uh, um, the short, you know, um, the short, uh, I, I'm just going to call it a shortfall next season because they're $50 million over the cap for next season. Okay. You know, are they, or do they want to have money available to, you know, in case um, they need somebody partway through the season or whatnot? So, um I, I could see for any of the above, I don't think they freed all this money up to go out and, you know, make some huge trade and take on a gigantic salary. Uh, that'd be kind of crazy, but uh, um, I guess let's see what you guys think. So, so Casey, what what are your thoughts on freeing up all this, all this cap space right well, now? The, the first thing I would say is you guys should like bookmark this week, this time next year. I, I guarantee you it happens again. This time next year, they're going to take two or three of those massive contracts that they have under, on the books, and they're going to restructure them and add a void year at the end, and give you know convert it to a signing bonus. Luckily, they have someone like Jimmy Haslam, who, for all of his shortcomings, his pockets are fine. He's definitely yeah. mm-hmm. he's definitely not coming up short on that. 
Um, but I think that this is going to be the practice. When you have so many big contracts on the books, you kind of got to squirrel stuff away and, and get ready for rollover. Now, I don't think that it's all going to roll over. I think they just need to give themselves flexibility so they can maneuver inside the season if they need to. And they have a couple guys coming up off next year that there's, you know, th- these are contract years for DPJ and Grant Delpit. And if things trend a certain way, they want to have the flexibility to extend them. If, if, if it, you know, if that kind of thing appears like I, if they're going to, I would look for like around the bye week, they have an early bye week. I could see maybe getting one of those two deals done if it trends right. Uh-huh. Or if not, you know, you just roll it over because starting next year, Deshaun Watson's salary cap hit is like 65 million. Um, mm. Which I think he'll probably yeah. be the candidate to be restructured next year. Right. They can still do that two more times to his contract or outright just give him a new contract and just do the same thing where they convert it to signing bonus and those first couple of years aren't that bad. This is the epitome of kicking the can down the road. And if you want to <laughs> yeah, sustain I mean, this kind of thing, you got to take money into the next year. I, mean, I right. think they need to look into like a, a Bobby Bonilla type, con, you know, contract. <laughs> 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 Pay him till he's like 67, you know, something like that. The year is 2052, and the Browns yeah. owe Deshaun Watson 17 million. Yeah, they just wrote right. him a check for for that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Rod. Um, on the, I just want to add on the owner. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, he's he's been willing to spend the money, but when you are the George Steinbrenner of the NFL, and you've got that reputation with you know the quick trigger and, and, and all the other moves he's made and so forth i think you have to be the guy that's willing to spend money and to his credit he is i mean he's he's leading the league in cash spend so that has has allowed us to get this roster to where it is right mm-hmm. now um and and on paper look really really solid right but um I think what the, the the restructures now tell me is, and, and you've been asking me this question for the last probably 18 months, are the Browns all in? Um, you have the flexibility to be all in at any point in the season this year. If, yeah. Like Casey said, if that's at the trade deadline, if that's, you know, whenever it is, okay, you have the flexibility to be all in. Yeah, um, you know, I don't know if either either you got. I think we we've talked about this, but um, you know, there's been the talk of Aaron Donald and all this stuff out there uh, for a long time. I I think uh, you know, Jeff, we've talked about it and pretty much been against it because this guy you could decide to retire at any point in time, and how much do you want to give up for a guy like that? But yeah. you know, he's also a guy who could come in and. Um, make a huge difference um, on a team. And now the Browns defensive line looks different now from what it did, you know, even if you, even a month or two ago, um, it looks a little stronger, but um, you wonder if, if something like that is something that they would look at if they felt like it would put them over the top. Well, I'll say this last year, Sue didn't decide to go to a team till I think week 10. 
Um, <laughs> right. He's not, True. he's not going to any training camps. He's not trying to do any of this early stuff. He's going to sit back and let some contenders emerge and then he'll take his pick of the litter. And I could see a scenario where if the Browns are sitting, you know, cross your fingers, if they're sitting there at like seven and three or, you know, even six and four. And I think that you might see a signing like that. I think that that, it, but, and keeping that kind of money it, flexible allows for something like that. So um, I don't know. I don't think Aaron Donald's on the table, but there could yeah. be a midseason move, something in that ilk. Yeah, that, that that's a great thought. It really is. Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything in trade. And it, and uh, you're not talking the dollars either. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that thought. And, and I think Sue is, um, you know, not that that's the – specifically the, the only deal that could happen or anything, but, you know, Sue's a guy who could watch the Browns defensive line and maybe say, you know what? I, I think I would like to play with those guys. So it's yeah. so definitely, possible. I think that's an interesting possibility because if you look at the Browns schedule, if they are seven and three or, or six and three through nine weeks, the nine, 10 weeks is when their schedule starts to break up and, there's a real possibility after that that they could run the table. So if if you if you're playing well and you and you make the right acquisition at that point in time and and you you think you can run the table and that that guy's going to help you do it, that's when I'll say yeah, we're all in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of, that makes that makes a lot more sense than thinking about doing something right now. It really does. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see the, uh, before, before we get to the 53 guys, um, I want to talk a little bit about the, about the offensive line and, and we'll talk about this with the 53 too, but, um, there's a little, there's a little bit of question. Um, I, I don't think there's a question as to who's playing, you know, as long as Jack Conklin's healthy, you know, week one, which which apparently he's trending that way, um, you know, that Jack Conklin and Jed Wills are going to be your tackles. But right. um, how quickly do you guys feel something could change there with Dewan Jones, the way he's been playing? Um, and, Jam- I mean, James Hudson is no slouch either. He's looked, you know, he, he's, he's a darn good player, and, he, you know, he's um, – been able to i think he's played some guard in that too so you know maybe he's more of a swing guy um mm. rather than a starter or maybe you know maybe he could um maybe he's more likely to stay that swing guy than, than become one of the starters but i just mm. kind of wanted to get your thoughts you know maybe it's not even a change this season maybe it's next season or or, or after but um just kind of wanted to see how surprised you guys are with how dewan jones has looked and kind of how you see those tackle positions shaping up over the next season or two. So, um, yeah, Jeff, why don't you why don't you start? Well, I think there's no question that if if Wills and Conklin are healthy, they're your starting tackles, and and you know those other guys aren't going to play unless they can't go. Mm-hmm. Um, at least you know this season. Um, yeah. But they're only at you know. A, a tweak something away from needing to play. So mm. that's why it's important that you have quality depth, right? But if yeah. we're, 
if we're looking into our crystal ball about where these guys settle out and I think, you know, what what the ceiling is for each of those guys, I think as far as James Hudson is concerned, I think the Browns would be thrilled if he was a healthy Chris Hubbard. If if he could play anywhere on the line and and be serviceable, you know, at a moment's notice as, as a plug and play guy. And I don't think they've ever viewed him as a potential starter. I think they've they've viewed him as, uh, you know, a quality depth piece that that can do a lot of things. Um, as far as Dewan Jones goes, um, you know, boy, if 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 he ends up replacing Jack Conklin whenever the Browns do move on from Jack Conklin, and plays anything like how he's looked to this point in his career. Um, that will be such a win for the Browns, be, being able to have him on a rookie deal um, and be affordable and, and, and replace a, you know, a potential Pro Bowl right tackle. Um, that would be, to me, that would be one of probably one of Andrew Berry's best picks to this point. So mm-hmm. I, I think there's a, still a great chance that that can happen, but a lot of stuff still has to happen for it too right yeah yeah so casey i want to hear what you had to say on this i want to see you know how you um how you size the these uh these two spots up and and jones and hudson well i've been super impressed by dewan jones's development i you know the jury was kind of out you know does he love football because from just a physical standpoint you couldn't have a better head start at that position. Uh-huh. And after seeing what I, I've been so encouraged, I truly believe this. If Dewan Jones chooses to be great, he will be great. And he couldn't have landed in a better spot with someone like Bill Callahan to oversee his development. And you've seen uh, earlier this week, they actually cross-trained him a bit at, at left tackle. Uh-huh. And you can think that there's a couple reasons why. Maybe they want to prepare him to be a swing tackle. Maybe they just want to see what his mechanics look like. But the bottom line is they wouldn't do that if he wasn't ahead of schedule. You know, they're not going to put too much on his plate. They obviously feel like he's coming along at at an appropriate pace. And we, you know, is we always give this offensive line a lot of, a lot of credit, a lot of props uh, and they're good across the board. But the the reality is Jack Conklin is injury. prone. It isn't our imagination. No, like he's, he, at some point he's going to come out of a game this year. No, maybe yeah. he's he might be tough enough to get back in there, but he's going to come out of a game and we're going to see Dewan Jones at right tackle, you know, and uh-huh. he's he's held up well every time he, he's had an opportunity, you know, like even I know the last game he got beat once by Nolan Smith. He didn't give up a tackle, he didn't give up a sack, but he he got beat around the corner. But that kid runs like a four three eight, you know, <laughs> and if you look at the other reps, he was stonewalling that 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 dude. So super impressed by him. If he wants to be great, it's on the table for him. Um, Hudson, I, I don't know. I, I've seen up and down play this preseason. The actual guy that I've been super impressed by, no one's really talking about, is Tyrone Wheatley Jr. He's looked really good in his opportunities. And the fact that they're moving Hudson or, or Hudson around to play a little bit of guard um, allows them some flexibility. The offensive line is the one, the one positional group that I don't have an exact feel for who they're going to keep. Because yeah. they got they got two backup playable centers, right. no team has that. Are they going to keep both of them? Are they going to try to deal somebody? You know, I, I think uh, Wipler's safe. In theory, Harris should be, but 
<clears throat> those guys also have to be able to play guard to be able to be that to be versatile to keep them on the roster. At least right. one of them. Yeah. You know, and Dunn's been safe the last few years. I don't think he's safe this year. That's interesting, yeah. Casey, because you know we we saw Whipler playing some guard. We saw Hudson playing some guard. That prob that might allow you to only keep three guards, three true guards on this roster. Uh-huh. Yeah, very true, very true. So I don't know how that room's going to shake out. They traditionally keep ten. Um, I yep. can see them going with nine if they think they have enough versatile guys that because they typically you keep ten on your roster, but you only dress nine. I can see them only keeping nine and dressing all nine if they think they're versatile enough up there. But yep. also, we haven't really talked about it because we're all we're so centered on they're going to have more receivers, more 11 personnel, more five wides. But with the personnel they do have, we can see Dewan Jones on the field with the starters in an overload situation. Right. Like if they want to oh, force yeah. their hand at the goal line and bring Dewan Jones in, like that dude is a human detour. You're not going through him. <laughs> you know, like I. I just think that they could they could kind of play around with that and get him some experience in the meanwhile. We, we have a, kind of a running conversation here, uh, Casey, about you know how we're going to see him first, right? Is it going to be as a fullback or is it going to be tackle eligible, right? <laughs> Can't wait to see. <laughs> Dude, if they put him at fullback, I'm going to lose it. I haven't even thought of that possibility. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Seeing him lined up back there. Oh, man. Or that, that's yeah, or, or they may have him in, uh, you know, as that sixth offensive lineman, and they might put Hudson in as a fullback. Um, Can yeah, you imagine DeJuan Jones pulling down the line, bearing down at a linebacker? <laughs> oh my God! I'd be. I'd the be pictures I've seen hills. recently are unbelievable. Him standing next to Jakeem Grant. It, the fact yeah. that they're playing the same sport or they're the same species is insane to me. He is six foot eight, three hundred and seventy-five pounds, and that isn't an embellishment. That might be downplaying it. Yeah, it, it's nuts. It's just nuts. So, um, yeah, I mean, just just watching um, just watching the replay of, of him next to um, – I'm trying to remember who he was next to. I don't know if it was Michael Dunn or, or one of the other, uh, um, you know, one of the other guards. Um, but just the, the size differential between those two guys was crazy, you know? Yep. So, uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. I think we're going to see some fun stuff this year. So, <laughs> so guys, let's uh, let's look at the uh, let's look at this fifty-three man roster a little bit, and there's there's not a lot of mystery to, to most of it, but like you said, um, and I agree a hundred percent. The uh, the offensive line is is a mystery once you get beyond what the the first, um, what'd you guys say? The first eight guys. I don't, yeah. I don't, I didn't yeah, count probably. them out, but I think I probably have eight guys marked that I think are probably safe on the offensive line. And you guys probably have all the same guys, uh, as, as locks on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, uh, and the defensive line for me is kind of almost the same. Um, not knowing exactly how that's going to shape, shape out, you know, um, so so let's uh, – I don't want to go through every position because we know who's going to make the team at almost every position. So so let's just look at that offensive line. So so it's really coming down to um, whether they keep um, – it's coming down to how many guys they keep and which guys they keep. 
And, and I, I guess one question is, uh, is Casey, and, well, and you too, Jeff, do, do you guys think Tyrone Wheatley would make it to the practice squad? He's put enough good film on tape. I can see someone taking a flyer on him, but you also have to understand if you take a guy through the waivers, he has to make your 53. So I think it would almost take an injury from another team to get him on a 53. I like him from a developmental standpoint, and I, I pray they can get him on the practice squad. That'd be a perfect spot for a kid like him. And by this time next year, he'd be a guy on the roster. Yeah. I just would, you know, especially with the with the tackles they have. I don't know how you how you keep them on the, you know, on the fifty three, right? Yeah, you can't. You you already have your two starting tackles, and you have your two backup tackles. I mean, right. that's you're 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 you. That's uh, those are locks. Yeah. So you have those four guys. So so he's not going to make the fifty three. So um, you know, and then you you've got your uh, your starting guards in your center, and then um, and then Whipler is a uh, as a lock, so that's uh, so that's that's your eight guys, right? Yep. So then, um, so it's maybe if you just keep those eight guys, or um, yeah, it's, then it's it's either Dunn and or Harris. I mean, Dunn, Dunn or Harris. If Dunn you're, and if or you're, Harris, right? If you're, yeah, going with nine or ten, yeah, and yeah. and I think what this really is going to come down to, Rod, and it's, you could say this about really almost every position, is where do they end up um, on the injury front? Um, does, does anybody get hurt? Uh, because, you know, that's the reason you're sitting there with three centers right now. Um, because of what happened to Nick Harris in the past. Um, mm-hmm. and the other thing is, is, um, uh, uh, who's possibly, um, going to have some sort of trade value. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the market for Nick Harris? If, if there is one, um, you know, there's, there's, two or three other guys that the Browns would probably love to entertain trade offers for um, Jordan Elliott's another one. Um, you know, if, if there's a market. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so you guys would both keep both see Michael Dunn making the team over, uh, over Colby Gossett, right? Colby Gossett, so. Wes Martin, Wes Martin's had some good, good yeah, tapes as well. Um, I think it's going to be a coin toss, really. The one thing Dunn yeah. has going for him is he actually can play some center as well. Right. You know, it just depends on how yeah. they feel about Weifler's ability to be a backup guard. You know, like, I Not think that that's what would freed up. If they don't feel solid in that, they're going to have to keep Michael Dunn. He's a big center. Oh, Unlike Nick Harris, he's a big center. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if, if he can show that versatility, then, yeah, it sure makes the decision a lot easier. Yeah. Well, I, I guess we'll see on that one, guys. Um, I, I I don't know that I would place any bets there. Right. <laughs> if right. I were a gambling man. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I not, wouldn't. The bottom I'm of that room is kind of shaky. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So so let's look at the the defensive line. Um, so you got you have uh, um, Garrett and Tomlinson and uh, Zadarius Smith. Um, You've got Ogbo and Shelby Harris, and um, I mean those. I mean that's five guys. Um, six would be Isaiah McGuire. Um, Siaki Ika would be seven. Um, 
Well, I checked. I, I checked Jordan Elliott as eight, um, just because of guaranteed money. I think he's on the team, you know, unless they do something with him. So I'm open to an argument there, guys. But that's that's eight guys. I would think they keep um, that they probably keep nine, nine or ten there, right? Yeah. Well, they're keeping Alex right. He's 100% making this team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Alex uh, right. He's definitely making the team. The question is with him: is do they get him on the 53 and then immediately transition him to the four week IR? Right. Yeah, which yeah. would actually give him five weeks because they're by yes. before he'd actually come back. Right. Um, right. So that's nine. Go, go ahead, huh? Casey. Sorry. I think they're only going to keep four defensive tackle, four true defensive tackles, because they also have Zadarius Smith and Alex Wright who can come inside and help. So I don't see them t- keeping more than that. Um, for me, I am trending towards cutting Jordan Elliott and keeping Maurice Hurst as my fourth rotational pass rushing defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. He's really came on these last two weeks and he's shown, he looks more like the Maurice Hurst that was in Oakland. Um, that first week he, you know, during the hall of fame game, he really didn't, but I'm kind of glad he didn't flash in that game because maybe they wouldn't have gotten desperate enough to bring Shelby Harris in. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad they did yeah. that as he's definitely a, a more solid player, but I just, I see my four defensive tackles as Dalvin Tomlinson, Shelby Harris, Yaki Ika, and Maurice Hurst. And then if you need help, you bring Zadarius in and Alex Wright, which gives you six playable defensive tackles. So that gives you more flexibility. I think on the edge, you know, you got you obviously got Miles and Zadarius. You got Ogbo. Those are your three main cogs right there. You add Alex Wright to it, Isaiah McGuire. The question is, do they believe in Isaiah Thomas enough to get him onto the 53 to get him on an IR because him and Alex Wright had arthroscopic knee surgery on the same day. Yeah. Yeah. Which really kind of hamstrings him. But like, I, I think that that's a real possibility. I think you could see 10 just based on Jim Schwartz's history and his propensity to rotate to the defensive line in and out. I could see him wanting 10. Uh, But the fact that Zadarius and Alex Wright also can moonlight as three techs on the inside really gives them flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, well, let's get your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Casey's right on with the uh, the idea of what's going to happen with Alex Wright. Um, and that's really why there's more question marks, I think, this year than there was this time last year with those last few spots. It's because we've got to get some guys onto that four-week IR. Um, so that initial 53 really is going to be different than, you know, the the, the – guys you take into that first game, that first regular mm-hmm. season game. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, I agree on all those guys. Um, I, I think that, like I said, I, I, they would love to find a trade partner for Jordan Elliott. I don't know that it's going to happen. And if it doesn't, they'll probably just cut their ties. Cause I, I haven't seen anything this season that makes me think that he's in a better place than he's been in any previous season. I will say this, if they find a trade partner for Jordan Elliott, let those people know I got beachfront property in Nebraska that I'm looking to get rid of. <laughs> uh, what's he have? Uh, his guaranteed contracts, what, just under $3 million this year? Is that right? It was two-something, two, yeah. Yeah, two-something. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're going to get anybody to take that or not, you know, unless somebody has injuries and they're just desperate for, for a defensive lineman. But you'd think there would probably be somebody out there. His cap number is 1.9. 1.9. Okay. Yeah. They they a pack of gum to Haslam. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, 
Well, yeah, um, I guess I mean I would uh, I'd love to see Maurice Hurst, uh, you know, have, have a good season for the Browns and stay healthy. He's you know he's had a rough time throughout his career, so um, we'd we'd love to see somebody like that come to Cleveland and just you know put it all together and, and just have a nice season for the Browns. So uh, you know I know he's a good player. So uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But um, I, I, it sounds like you're. Sounds like you're right on target, Casey. I would, I would agree there. So, I hope. <laughs> um, again, I'm not going to put any money on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you guys know um, another room that's kind of packed right now is is the linebacker room. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, trying to think how many of these guys are healthy now. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, or how many are not? Um, um, I don't know. Um, Taki Taki Taki's been playing some, right? Or has he not been playing? He hasn't um, played in any of the games, but he's been full participant yeah, he, practice. Yeah, he's been practicing. So, so I don't know if he's going to be ready to go or not. Um, I gotta believe he's going to be on that four week IR somehow. Okay. So, um, so yeah. So you got JOK, Anthony Walker, and Taki Taki. Um, I don't. I don't know how Tony Fields isn't on the team, um, and then um, Diabate. You know those guys have to be on the team. Oh, I got Tony Fields marked twice. I'd freeze up a spot. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know Matthew Adams is uh, going to be on the team for special teams, right? So. Yep. Um, and then you know then that uh, I guess um, it's a three four. Five six. I mean, are you keeping Jordan Kunasek as uh, a seventh linebacker? Is that seven? Of course, if, if Taki's hurt, you know. But uh, you guys tell me how many linebackers are you keeping? That's the question, and it all comes down to special teams, really, because all those guys we're naming, like for eighty percent of these the, of the defensive snaps, it's only going to be two linebackers on the field anyway. Right. Yeah, you know, so, that's just the way of the NFL, and that's the way it's, it's, it's going to trend. So, you know, that's going to be, if they're healthy, A-Walk and J-O-K. So the rest of these guys are are mainly special teams guys. And we know Matt, Matthew Adams is a special teams ace, and he was brought here for a reason. And with Bubba Ventrone, you, you kind of had a feeling that after he got signed, you seen the guys that were picked. You know, some of those guys were handpicked by him. I do think the uh, Mahmoud Diabate's emergence might come at Jordan Kunasik's expense. I think he might be the guy left out of that rotation. And you you yeah. like Gunasic. I love watching him play. He plays with his hair on fire. He's a high floor guy who's good on special mm-hmm. teams. I would just argue that I think Diabate's floor is already similar and his ceiling is much higher. The question is, can he be disciplined and counted upon on special teams? Because that's what these roles these guys are really filling right now. You know, and yeah. I will say that um we're kind of scarred as Browns fans because for years we heard Joe Woods talk about playing three safeties and he just never did it. Right. Yeah. You know, we heard Jim Schwartz when he first got here talk about rushing five. He wants to rush five. A lot of that times that's going to be a linebacker. You know, mm-hmm. and if talk he's if, if talk's healthy, I think that's a role for him where he can come down and play that extra edge because he's big enough and physical enough. Mm-hmm. I think Diabate can do the same things. That's what he did in college. He was a rush backer. You know, even though they haven't shown that in any of these preseason games, I, I think that that could be a role for him. So I think Taki and him 
will both fill that need of a fifth rusher when Schwartz wants to do it. So I'd have them both on the team. The question is, do they send Taki immediately to the IR or not? And I'll just add this, Rod, that, uh, you know, of, of those seven guys we've talked about, Jordan Kunashik is, is probably the easiest guy to get to the practice squad. They've done it before. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so uh, let's see, looking at, um, looking at DBs then. Um, see what I'm missing here. I get this printed out really small, guys. I'm just looking at the depth chart. And um, yeah, I should have brought my magnifying glass with me. But, uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah, got got him keeping um, six corners, right? Six corners, um, four safeties. What you guys think? Yeah, uh, yeah, six and four. So I'm sure we agree on those names. I might not. I might have someone off my corner list that you have on. Um. Uh, Ward Emerson. Um, I have. I have Mike Ford. I don't know about him. I probably don't. I don't know if I need him on my list. Um, Cameron Mitchell, Greg Newsom, AJ Green. So AJ Green is off my list. He's not on your list. Okay. No, I don't have him making it. Hmm. And he's been here for years, and he's been serviceable, and I think he's a, a quality – he's an NFL-caliber corner. You know, not a starter, but a good rotational guy. I just think that room's gotten so strong, I think he's gotten surpassed. I think they're going to favor guys that can also play the slot, like Cam Mitchell and, and Biggers. I think that those are the names that might t- overtake that spot and be those last two corners. Okay. You have Biggers making the team. Yeah, I might be out on a limb on this one, but I just have a feeling that when it's all said and done, A.J. Green's not going to make this team. Interesting. Well, you have a slight advantage over me, Casey, because Biggers is not even on the depth chart that I'm looking at. There we go. (laughs) I didn't even have an option to put a check mark by him. Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, first-year player. Um, Go ahead, Jeff. I don't know. This this is another area where the, the Browns sort of have an embarrassment of riches that, you know, yeah. teams may come calling. Um, and, you know, depending on how fast Cameron Mitchell develops, um, the Browns may be willing to listen. Hey, well, it, it's interesting. Hey, well, I mean, how soon are you talking about a trade, Jeff? Uh, sometime yeah. during the season. During the season, yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it's going to depend. We still don't know really anything about Jerome Ford. Um, at least I haven't seen anything to know how severe that injury is. Right. And I know we're just supposed to not worry about the backup running back. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I was I was fine when it was the third string running back that we didn't have to worry about, but, but we could talk about it all the time. Now it's literally the guy who's going to be going into the game when Chubb is taking up. We had, we had four guys last year that we thought should have been taking snaps in every single game. We were arguing about, you know, why isn't this guy getting more snaps in the yeah. game? Right. And, yeah. and now beyond Nick Chubb, we're like, okay, well, what do we have? 
Yeah, yeah, we had uh, Hunt and Johnson and, and you know and Ford and yeah, and most most right. of those guys didn't touch the ball last year, right? At all. And now yeah. we got Nick Chubb and then then we're dr- dropping down to Demetric Felton and right. You know, great. I know I know there are a lot of Demetric Felton fans out there. I don't want him to be the number two running back on this team. <laughs> no, no, um, he can't be. No, he can be the third back for you. Uh, and spot play out of the shotgun, he can do some cool gun run stuff, and he, you know he can run routes. But mm-hmm. his pass protection scares me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he can't be the second. He can't be a bell cow. He can't come in and just spell Chubb for a full series. I don't, I don't think no. that's the move at all. I don't, I no. don't see that. So, so my question is, is really for both you guys. Do you see? Do you see enough spots on this team where you think the Browns have have guys that are, you know, have good value as far as trades go that, that you could see a trade happening for a running back, you know, before cuts? Or do you think mm-hmm. the Browns are better off just waiting for the cuts to happen, that there are enough running backs that the teams are going to have to cut ties with that the Browns will be fine that I way? I think that's exactly what happens. I think yeah. Tuesday at 430 comes. And the Jets are going to have to let go of like a Michael Carter just because their running back room is so full. And I think that someone who yeah. could immediately come in and play spot duty stuff, you know, yeah. at least until Ford's healthy. Because like you uh-huh. said, Ford, even though he's still an unknown commodity, you know, we don't we, we know what we hear, what's going on in practice and how good he's looked. But we don't know. Is that is that good enough? You know, we haven't seen it in game action seen it in the preseason he looked good last year i was very encouraged even his kick return stuff looked good you know but but then again like i man we have nick chubb i don't think anyone's gonna listen to us cry about needing a backup running back you know what i mean <laughs> no this is purely a cleveland thing to be worried oh yeah about yeah, yeah running sure. back. but right. i mean we we know that what kareem hunt's done the last few years and he's i mean he's played a pretty vital role in keeping nick you know fresh and everything um yeah and, and I'm sure Nick would be happy, you know, he probably wouldn't say a word if he was, you know, taking 30 carries a game. He would just do it. Mm-hmm. But, he would just uh, get 2,000 yards. Yeah, he would just have 2,000 yards every year, you know, and the fans would love it. And, you know, and then he'd retire in a couple in a year or two. Uh, right. But, yeah, so. You know, Rod, um, when, when I talk about all these guys that are, you know, potential trade pieces, right? Mm-hmm. It's with the understanding that trades are really rare in the NFL, and and they don't happen that much except around draft time, right? Yeah. Um, so I think of all those guys that we've mentioned, if the Browns pulled off one trade in in that time period um, around cuts, you know that would probably be it. That'd probably be the you know their move um, at that point in time um, more than likely that to answer your question earlier more than likely you're just you're scanning the waiver wires for yeah. for these last couple spots and depending on who who gets hurt who ends, ends up on ir just backfilling those last couple spots yeah yeah it makes sense but uh i don't know i, I just figure at the same time if it would almost make sense to me if the Browns and the Jets, you know, if the Jets had a need at defensive tackle, you know, and they wanted to make sure they got their guy, 
mm-hmm. you know, and and they knew they had a surplus of running backs, and Browns will make sure they got their guy. That the trades like this really wouldn't be that big of a deal. Just swap the players, you know, right. um, figure it out. Wouldn't have to be a lot of compensation involved and things like that. So, right, I'm kind of surprised. The Jets, the Jets for damn sure haven't needed offensive line. Oh yeah, yeah. The Jets' offensive team. line is cheeks. They need they need some help up there. So if they're interested in the Michael Dunn, they might want to pick up a phone. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, that would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So um, any other spots you guys are looking at on the roster? Are you pretty pretty uh, pretty content and um, not concerned with where things are going? I think the safety battle between Hickman and Bell is interesting. I think that that is something we want to watch this last preseason game. You know, Hickman's definitely came on the scene. Those, those three picks definitely have to help him. But what Bell is, as far as a run defender and on special teams, that's where Hickman's got to overtake him mm-hmm. because he's not going to see time on the field, really. He's going to need to take overtake him in the special teams area. But I'll say this, Bell's already 26. I know it's only his second year in the league, but he was a 25-year-old rookie. Mm-hmm. So Hickman has a, a big age uh, gap on him, and I think that, that that could be the the vying factor. But just from a playing standpoint, they both kind of do different things. And for years, the Browns really didn't have a true post safety. Now that they have Thornhill, they have a guy who can kind of roam that free area, and I think Hickman would be a good guy to groom behind him. Yeah. Yeah, well, it'll, it'll be interesting to see – how much, you know, how much, um, how much input I think Bubba has on the uh, final roster, you know, because if, uh, you know, if guys like uh, Kanasik and and maybe DeAnthony Bell, are, you know, make the team um, over some other guys because of their special teams play, you know, I think that'll be because because uh, of Bubba Ventrone, you know, getting his some of his wishes. So um. uh, he has to, Rod. He just has to. I mean, it, it, the reason we complained the last several years about how lousy our special teams were is because we were running a bunch of fourth, fifth, and sixth round draft picks out there constantly that never were mm-hmm. asked to play special teams in college. And now, now we're actually bringing in guys who are special teams experts, special teams aces. And you got to you got to give Bubba Ventrode the latitude to stock his his teams. Yeah. So so how many of those guys make the team, Jeff? I mean, you you can't put all those guys on the team over you know over no. the developmental guys and everything. Yeah. So right. Well, to Jeff's point, I think that's probably the hardest thing to do for any coach in the league is special teams coordinators having to convince these college kids who have never played a lick of special teams to right. buy in and go down and break up a wedge. You know what I mean? That, exactly. that, is, that is a tough yeah. ask, man. And okay, here's what we're going to do now. Gonna, right. What? Yeah. yeah. I hope you like CTE. I got a whole bunch of it for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, it's going to be interesting, um, at least for those last what, uh, three to five spots. So, um, so yeah, looking forward to uh, to this last um, preseason game and uh, looking forward to the regular season, which is going to be here before we know it. Amen. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so Casey, do you have any uh, any articles out uh, recently you'd like to plug or anything you want to talk about? 
Yeah, I just had a uh, three big storylines to watch for in this preseason game that came out. Um, I'll have one after the game on the defensive standouts from the game. And shortly thereafter, after the cuts, I'll have a piece about uh, what players I think they need to try to sneak back onto the practice squad. Hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Cool. Um, any, any closing words you'd like to leave everybody with? We made it. Another... <laughs> Another yeah. long off season, man, and we're at the doorsteps of the vortex. We're about to get into real football. So, <laughs> congratulations to everyone. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jeff, closing words tonight. I'll I'll just say what I say at this time every season. Uh, the first fifty three is just that. Um, it it's fluid. The the couple weeks after that, things are going to change. Guys are going to move around. Um, but. Um, I believe somehow, some way, Ronnie Hickman and Diabate are both going to end up on this defense. I'm not completely sold that Austin Watkins makes it. Okay. We'll find out. Twitter will be in shambles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time.